Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Ecclesiastes chapter 10, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, how many of you have ever said to yourself something like this? Life's not fair. As a kid, when you don't get your way, it's not fair as you stomp away mad. As a teenager, when the girl you have a crush on gets asked to the school dance by someone else before you get the chance to, and then she proceeds to put you in the friend zone if you weren't there already. Ah, it's not fair. As an adult, when a position opens up that you are most qualified for, most deserving for, what your next promotion should be, and then the boss hires his girlfriend instead. Well, that's just not cool. That's not fair. As a married person, when all of your friends are getting pregnant and it just hasn't been successful for you, or when you finally get pregnant and you miscarry. Or when you have a child, a teenager who seemed healthy, passes away far too young. And oh, goody, it's Mother's Day today, so thanks for rubbing it in, jerk. In our current world, maybe you just want to sit down inside a coffee shop, enjoy your favorite beverage, and take in all the people. Go and play a game of soccer or basketball with all your friends. Go to your graduation ceremony with all your classmates. Have the wedding that you have been waiting your entire life for with all of your closest friends and family. Get your business that had finally taken off. Get it back up and running fully again. Come and gather together again in worship with everyone. But no, life just isn't fair. At any point in your life, whatever the desire of your heart is, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't come to fruition. You never get those opportunities. You never find that fulfillment, that true happiness. You never find exactly what you're looking for. It's never been your time to shine. And maybe it never will be. Because nothing ever goes your way. And when it does, well, it gets taken away in an instant. Because life just isn't fair. I imagine Solomon saw a little bit of this as he writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Listen to these verses, 5 through 7. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. If you've learned anything in our time of going through the book of Ecclesiastes, is that we're likely to hear something about the wise and the foolish. 
And today we see that thousands of years ago, the world was foolish and was run by foolish leaders. And if you try to get them to hear you, they will just not listen. You might be inclined to say, has anything changed? And to that, Solomon may respond, there is nothing new under the sun. Of course, if the world were to respond to your woe-is-me attitude, they might just tell you to suck it up, buttercup. Deal with it. That's just the way the world is that we live in. Now, I don't know all of the hardships that you're going through in life. I don't know the kinds of things that you've endured in your lifetime. I don't know your current condition. I don't know if you feel like a fool or if you actually are a fool. I don't know if you are actually wise or if you're just pretending to be wise. I don't know all of these things because I'm not God. And I can't see into your heart. I can't read into your mind. But what I can do is read God's word. Let's continue chapter 10, verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. A wise man may speak correctly and graciously, but he does not succeed because a fool overwhelms the wise man with his own words. The words of the wise men become useless because of the lips of fools. Have you ever felt like that before? That you know exactly what the people need to hear, but no, no one ever listens to you. And then when they don't listen to you and then something happens, you just want to insert that, I told you so. This is what Paul felt like after he had been shipwrecked. We see him say, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. I can also imagine that this might be how God felt in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve ate the fruit they were told not to. When they listened to the serpent's foolish words of, Did God really say? I mean, God could have said, Yeah, I really did say. Instead, he says, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. It's almost like he is saying, Man now knows wisdom and foolishness because sin has entered the world. And then, of course, we'll read on to see that men will choose foolishness before wisdom because of sin. Or as Ecclesiastes goes on to say, the beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. The reality is, is that fools only know foolishness. The beginning and ending words that they use, and we'll say everything else in the, in the middle, it's all foolishness. And the wiser the fool wants to appear, the more foolish he looks. That's what I think about when I read verse 3. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. By what he does, he proves to everyone that he is a fool. Though it's hard to see his foolishness when he's surrounded by fools. Which, when we think about it, 
Well, that's all of us. We are all fools in some way. I mean, sure, there may be times when we were right and people should have listened to us. And of course, we like to think about those the most often. But do you ever find yourself doing those things that you know you shouldn't be doing? Or like Adam and Eve, the things God told you not to? And when you do them, are you like Adam and Eve? And blame everyone but yourself. It was the woman that you gave me, God. She deceived me. Or it was the serpent who deceived me. God, it's not my fault. The devil made me do it. Fools. Now, we don't get a first-person account of the garden. We don't get to hear Adam and Eve's perspective. But I don't think we hear them tell God, it's not fair. This punishment that you've given us, it isn't right. You can't kick us out of the garden. It's, it's our garden. You made it for us. Well, that's because we could say the punishment fits the crime. Adam and Eve deserved to be removed from the garden. They deserved the pain in childbirth, the hardships of their labor, the punishment of death, all because of their sin, which was their fault and their fault alone. Not the serpent's, not God's, theirs. Because they sinned, not the serpent, not God. Don't be foolish. Sin is your fault. Not anyone else's. Not God's. Yours. The devil didn't make you do it. You did it. And just like Adam and Eve, your punishment fits your crime. You deserve death. Exactly the same as Adam and Eve. But not just physical death. Eternal death. Hell, eternal separation from God. That is what you deserve because of your foolish, sinful actions. That is fair. That is right. That is just. And that is what we all deserve. But we don't see this play out in the world so much. Because on earth, we still get caught up in the foolish versus the wise. Because we think that we're wise and everyone else is a fool. Or we think that Christians are wise and non-Christians are fools. And so when we go back to verse 12, we know that the fool triumphs over the wise. And we just think life isn't fair. And so sometimes life just doesn't make sense. Because it should be fair, especially for Christians. But it's not. And here's the thing. God never promised us that life would be fair on this earth. That the wise, that the Christians would have earthly success. This didn't happen in the beginning. And it didn't happen at Jesus' time. Because the similarity we can see is how the Pharisees triumphed over Jesus. The foolish teachers of the law triumphed over the greatest of teachers. It's not right. It's not fair for Jesus. But it is what happened. And because of him, we have the hope that greater things are to come. 
and we hold firm in our faith and our beliefs that come from the wisdom of God. Because even the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. And that is the great reversal of fortune, as Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Or as Peter writes in our New Testament reading, So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. In Ecclesiastes, we see that fools reject the word of God. We heard that in the reading from 1 Peter 2. Fools reject Jesus because they do not believe. This is what happened 2,000 years ago. The foolishness triumphed over wisdom. Or so it seemed at the time. But this was all part of God's plan. Jesus was rejected to the point of crucifixion. And it was there on the cross that Jesus died for all of the foolishness, all of the sins of the world, for all the fools, for all of us. He died for our sins, for the times that we deny our sins, for our anger and hatred towards others when things don't go our way, for our bitterness and envy when we don't get what we want, for all of the things that lead only to death, Jesus took it. Our sins, our death, our punishment, hell itself, for each and every one of us. And so we who were dead in our trespasses and sins were forgiven of all of our sins by Jesus' death. Because he canceled our debt, the punishment that we deserved, the payment that we owed. He nailed it to the cross. And in doing so, he triumphed over everything that was foolish, rulers, authorities, and all of the spiritual forces of evil. He shamed them. He conquered them. And he conquered the grave as he rose from the dead on the third day. And that is why the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Christ became our cornerstone, our foundation, and everything falls on him. Our sin, our punishment, fell on his shoulders on the cross. The wrath of God, hell, fell on his shoulders. And because he was the perfect sacrifice for us, our salvation also falls on his shoulders. Heaven falls on his shoulders. It is his responsibility, and he is the one who gets us there. And it is guaranteed. We have the promise of eternal life because of his resurrection. That is why Jesus says in the gospel reading that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to heaven. True wisdom is knowing that no matter what happens in this life, it is nothing compared to what is to come in the next life. And it is God that gives us that wisdom, that faith, to put our salvation not in ourselves or others, but in Christ alone, on his shoulders, the chief cornerstone. And it is by grace that we are saved through faith, faith that is another gift from God. 
And there is nothing that we do to get to heaven. It has all been paid for by the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. It's not fair that Christ had to suffer, die, and rise for us. It's not right. We don't deserve it. And that's why we call it grace. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our risen Savior. Amen.